Hey, and welcome back to Sunday Replay. My name is Jace, and every week I have the opportunity to host this podcast, but we also have some other podcasts coming soon at Harmony that I would love for you to check out if you get a chance. So on the Harmony Podcast Network, we currently have Our Story, the podcast, which is hosted by Pastor Mark Stevenson, and that comes out every fourth Wednesday of the month. It's a chance for us to build on the Our Story conversations that we have during worship once a month and to get to know the stories of the members of our congregation, of the people around us, of progressive and inclusive Christians, and how their stories feed into the larger story of the Christian faith. But you know what? We're not here to talk about that podcast. This is Sunday Replay. So on today's podcast, Dr. Larry Hyde Jr., who's a professor at Cal State Dominguez Hills and the chairman of the Hollywood UMC Governance Board, as well as a member of the Harmony Leadership Team. He is sharing a message on whom will you love as we continue our Wrestling with the Questions Jesus Asked series. So here's Larry. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Praise God for our music ministry and uh, the ways in which this morning we have been ushered into God's presence. Let us pray. God, we thank you for another day's journey, another day for us to be together in worship, another day for us to be alive and to be in mission and to be in ministry for you. We thank you this morning for being a God who continues to make the impossible possible in our lives. We thank you this morning for being a God who continues to move the mountains and the stumbling blocks in our lives. We thank you this morning, oh God, that your presence has already been announced in this room. We thank you for the psalmist, oh God, that it prepared our hearts and our minds to worship you through the gift of music. Now, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, stop by this place and fall fresh upon me, your servant, one more time as I attempt to proclaim your word, O God. Help us, O God, this morning to hear a word from you that might inspire and instruct us for the week ahead. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, you are awesome and you are amazing in this place and for this we give you thanks. Oh God, you are awesome and you are amazing this morning and for this we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage of biblical text is entitled Love for Enemies. I don't know about you, but I know for me personally this passage of text is aspirational. It's an ambitious goal that I'm aiming for. Love your enemies is a command that seems beyond our ability to attain. Jesus calls us to love our enemies, and this is the hardest commandment. In your quiet time, I encourage you this week to read the sixth chapter of Luke's gospel in its entirety. It begins with the Pharisees questioning Jesus about his and the disciples' actions on the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, Jesus heals a man whose right hand is withered, further infuriating the disciples. Jesus then calls 12 disciples to be his apostles. These 12 apostles were the divinely appointed ambassadors who would preach his gospel to the world. Jesus then teaches what it means to follow him. Jesus pronounces four blessings. His disciples would endure poverty, hunger, sorrow, and persecution. 
but in their suffering, they would know his blessing. Jesus also pronounced four woes against self-satisfied people who were living for the pleasures of the moment and thought they could do without God. There are two kinds of people according to what Jesus taught. People who suffer for his sake and have his blessing and people who live for themselves and will come to an unhappy end. Then Jesus gets to this difficult part of the sermon where he explains the reasoning behind loving our enemies and doing to others as we would have them do to us. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. We are to love our enemies even when they curse us, insult us, and sue us. If we treat our enemies with the same mercy, patience, and love we do our friends, we will reflect our God who blessed us. Our forgiveness of others is tied to God's forgiveness of us and our generosity to God's generosity us, to us. Mercy and self-examination should always precede judgment. I continue to struggle hard with this passage of scripture as we wrestle with the questions Jesus asked. Why is Jesus all up in my business this morning? If you only love people who love you, you have done nothing. Everyone loves those who love them. If you only do good to those who do, not do good things for you, you have done nothing because everyone in the world does that. If you lend expecting to be repaid, you have done nothing because even banks expect to be repaid. I hope we see the point this morning. We think that we are doing something great when we love those who love us, do good to those who do good to us, and lend to those who we think can repay. Jesus says that we have done nothing because everyone does that. We are not acting like Jesus. We are acting like natural humans. We are acting like sin sinners, not like the holy people of God. We are not being godly. We are being worldly. Stop thinking that you are doing anything when you love those who love you and do good for those who do good for you. This is the reason that we are to love our enemies. If we do not love our enemies, then we are acting just like the world. Further, we are not acting in the character of God. I love the way Eugene H. Peterson puts it in the message, which is a modern Bible paraphrase translation in verses 35 and 36. Peterson says, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind. You be kind. I ask this morning, why is forgiveness and loving your enemy so hard? Forgiveness requires great courage to let go of your own inner judgments and focus on seeing the other as a creator in their own right. 
while not approving of their hurtful external behavior. And forgiving yourself sometimes may be the most difficult of all. Forgiveness is difficult in part because evolution has endowed us with the psychological motivation to avoid being exploited by others. And one of the easiest ways to prevent exploitation is to hit back or simply avoid the exploiter. Therefore, any discussion of forgiveness must begin by thinking carefully about the desire for retaliation. Business and executive coach Dave Schuenbeck says, we find it so hard to forgive because while forgiveness is part of the healing process, forgiveness alone won't fix the problem. You can never go back to the way things were before, and although you might forgive someone who wronged you, your opinion of them might forever be changed. We may feel as if forgiving others makes us look weak, that we are letting the person who hurt us off the hook, that they should also suffer and they should be humiliated. We tell ourselves that strong people don't forgive those who hurt or offend them. Let's pause for a moment. Who are your enemies? I'm not asking who you hate. I'm asking who hates you. Who despises you? Often, they are the people close to us who have been hurt. A spouse, a former spouse, a parent, a son, a daughter, a co-worker on the job, an enemy of God who takes it out on you, someone whose evil action you have exposed and is now out to get you. Who, this morning, are your enemies? Then you have to, you have to ask yourself, how do I love my enemies? And it's hard work. It's hard work. And a brother right here is preaching to himself, how do I love my enemies? And there are three things that I want us to practice and think about for the week ahead as we challenge ourselves to, to love and forgive our enemies. I challenge us to do good, to bless, and to pray. To do good, to bless, and to pray. Say it with me. Do good. Come on, y'all ain't feeling it. Do good, bless, and pray. Do good. When you find a way you can do something good for one of your worst enemies, do it. Not to shame him or her, but because you are trying to find it in your own heart to love him or her for Jesus' sake. And after you do good, you need to bless. When you think of the person who is slandering you and saying untrue and nasty things about you, Find ways to work blessings into your thoughts. Speak a blessing out loud when you are with friends. Instead of complaining about your unjust treatment, go out of your way actively to speak well of your enemies. Why? To find it in your own heart to love them. After you do good and you bless, you need to pray. You need to intercede. When you're praying, you probably pray for your family and your friends. Why don't you begin to pray and intercede for your enemies? Pray actively and start to ask God to help them. Ask God to heal the hurts in their lives that are some of the motivators for their actions. Ask God to bless them and to show mercy to them. Why? In order to find it in your heart to love them. Do good. Bless. Pray. As I struggle myself with loving my enemies and with forgiveness, it's not my strong suit. 
I often have to remind myself that I am the direct descendant of those who, who continue to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Africans were taken from their tribes and brought to America. They lost their native languages, their customs, and of course their freedom. They took Christianity, the religion of their masters, practiced so solemnly, but they took it in their way. And they created a religious tradition that was purely African-American. They drew upon their native skills to tell stories and to, to pass them along. People who had been prevented from learning to read and write by their masters drew upon an oral tradition. So they, they scooped up huge parts of the Bible and made it their own, creating thousands upon thousands of songs that were uniquely theirs. We hear those beautiful songs called Negro spirituals from a people who could have cursed their enemies, cursed their slave masters, but instead they made beautiful music. Do good, bless, and pray. When I reflect on loving my enemies and forgiveness, I think of two modern-day heroes, South African President Nelson Mandela and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. They suffered the cruelty of apartheid in South Africa. Yet while they walked the earth, they exuded a spirit of love and forgiveness. President Mandela served 27 years in prison for opposing apartheid. I think I know I would be very bitter if I spent 27 years in prison for standing up for what was right. But if you listen to his speeches and read his writing, you find a, a spirit of reconciliation and forgiveness for those in South Africa who oppressed him and who oppressed his people. President Mandela, in some of his most famous quotes about forgiveness, says, we must strive to be moved by a generosity of spirit that will enable us to outgrow the hatred and conflicts of the past. He says you will achieve more in this world through acts of mercy than you will through acts of retribution. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That's why it's such a powerful weapon. Reconciliation does not mean forgetting or trying to bury the pain of the conflict but that reconciliation means working to together to correct the legacy of past injustice. Bishop Tutu says, forgiveness does not relieve someone of responsibility for what they have done. Forgiveness does not erase accountability. It is not about turning a blind eye or even turning the other cheek. It's not about letting someone off the hook or saying it is okay to do something monstrous. Forgiveness is simply about understanding that every one of us is both inherently good and we're inherently flawed. Within every hopeless situation and every seemingly hopeless person lies the possibility of transformation, the possibility of transformation. President Mandela and, and Bishop Tutu are challenging us from the grave this morning to do good to bless and to pray, to do good, to bless and to pray. This morning as I struggle, I'm reminded of, of several scriptural passages about forgiveness. 
Ephesians tells us, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Matthew says, for if you forgive other people when the sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Even, even as Jesus was hanging on a cross, as Jesus was dying on a cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. If Jesus, if Jesus hanging, bleeding on a cross could forgive and love, then what are we called to do? Do good, bless, pray. Do good, bless, pray. Choosing to forgive and love someone who has hurt you can free you from the pain caused by others. Consequently, unforgiveness can shackle you to the past, robbing you of peace and joy. Forgiveness is not complicated, but it is difficult. Forgiving others is a courageous act. It's for the strong. It means taking the higher moral ground. When we allow ourselves to forgive others, we free ourselves from the pain, anger, and bitterness that only makes matters worse. We should forgive because God forgives us. God forgives us, no questions asked. How do I love and forgive my enemies? Do good, bless, and pray. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, forget it, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, so you be kind. Do good this morning. Bless and pray. Do good, bless, and pray. In the name of God the Father, in the name of God the Son, and in the name of God's Holy Spirit, this morning let the people of God say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. and amen.
It's time for the Sunday Replay Halftime Show, where we take just a few moments every week to share about the opportunities that you have to connect with Harmony coming up. So first I wanted to share that our fifth Sunday service project this month is going to be at Fine Gold Manor here in Toluca Lake, Los Angeles. And we're really excited about this opportunity to serve the people around us, especially the seniors in our community. We know that this is a group who's so often are neglected but carry so much wisdom and have done so much in their lives and it's a great opportunity for us to give back to them and so if you have any questions or you want to participate in this fifth sunday service project you can contact mark that's m-a-r-k at hollywoodumc.org i also want to remind you that halloween at harmony is coming soon on halloween evening we will be hosting halloween at harmony from 5 p.m to 8 p.m on our campus this is an opportunity one for families to come and be a part of a celebration of the holiday but also for those of you who are interested in volunteering to join us we need people to help pass out candy people to play games on the lawn people who can pass out food to adults keep the av system running there's so many ways to participate and this is a really amazing outreach event because 
as we get to reach over 1,000 of our Toluca Lake and LA neighbors. So if you want to volunteer or you have questions about Halloween at Harmony, you can contact me, Jace, that's J-A-S-E, at HollywoodUMC.org. Thanks for listening to The Halftime Show. And for the next part of our podcast today, Rev Jefferson is filling in for Pastor Mark in this week's Our Story conversation, where he will be chatting with Ruth Williamson about her story. And I could share with you about who she is, but maybe we should let Ruth do that. Here's Rev Jefferson and Ruth Williamson. If you're wondering where Pastor Mark and Jace are today, they are on a little pastoral care retreat weekend and they are at the Grand Canyon. So we lift them up in prayer and we pray for safe return for them and that they have a wonderful, wonderful experience and some rest this weekend. As we turn to our our story portion of our service today, we have an opportunity to get to hear the stories of of other members of our campus and also the Hollywood campus and learn about their faith journey and how their faith journey has has moved their life forward each and every day. So I want to introduce to you one of my dear friends, the wonderful, the magnificent, and the effervescent (laughs) Ruth Williamson. So would you welcome her, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ruth is a member of our Hollywood campus, and so thank you for being with us today. Oh, sure. I'm very honored to be here. This is a big deal for me. I'm very nervous. <laughs> she's been in seven Broadway shows, and she's nervous being here. <laughs> well, we're so delighted to have you. Now, you are from Baltimore. I'm from Baltimore. I was born and raised there, and um, I was a Methodist kid. Okay. That's how I started out. Had a long way around to come back, but... Uh, I, I remember growing up Methodist, and, um, and I can especially remember when I was a teenager, this um, evangelistic group came through our church, and they were very kind of, you know, fall to your knees and accept God, and you're saved, and hallelujah, and healed, and all that, and, and they wanted us to get up and testify, and I wanted this so bad. I wanted to see a burning bush. I wanted to have some kind of white light experience. Well, I didn't, but I pretended I did, you know. You were an actor. actress. Then. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, I, I, you know, I just, all my whole life I've been looking for that white light experience, and that is not the way my spiritual journey has gone. It has been a slow growth. It's, it's now pretty great, but it's been a slow growth, so. So, from uh, Baltimore... And being in the Methodist Church, you had a dream to be on stage. I did. I moved to New York. And you made it happen. You, you want to tell us a little about how all that came well, about? It was very, it was God working in my life. It really was. I wanted to be an actor. I was a little, you know, 20-something-year-old in Baltimore. And I, I remember I'd lost, I had two jobs in Baltimore, and I'd lost them both, and I'd broken up with my boyfriend. And one of my bosses said to me, if you're ever going to move to New York, now is the perfect time. You've got nothing holding you here. So I did. With a few dollars in my pocket, I moved to New York City. And within a week, I had a roommate and an apartment and a job. I got, I got my equity card. I went off on tour with a children's theater company. And it was all so, it, 
as I look back on it, it was orchestrated. It was so divinely guided. And I even felt that even then. I was like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because doors are opening. You know, that's that when you keep banging into a wall and nothing's opening, that's when you got to go, well, let's see, where else can I go? <laughs> you know. Right. But during that time that you were in New York, you sort of fell away from I did fall away church. from my spiritual life. Um, I think there were two reasons. One, I was in love with my career, and I was just having so much fun being an actor that that became my higher power. And I also was with a man for 12 years, and he was kind of a higher power to me, too. I don't recommend that. It didn't work out too well. No. Um, but I did, you know, I would occasionally go to, to church services that people would say, oh, you should come try such and such, and I'd go, and I wouldn't feel really at home. However, in the 80s, I was actually a Nishiren Shoshu Buddhist. I chanted, you know, the Nam-myoho-renge-kyo kind of Buddhist. I did that for about four or five years, and so I've always been searching for spirituality, and that was one way I found it. But there were two things I didn't like about it. One, it was foreign. I didn't understand what I was saying. Oh. You know, I just thought, I, this just isn't quite working for me. Also, they were heavy into proselytizing. You know, what they'd call, go out and shakabuku somebody. And oh. I'd be like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll, I'll lead by example. I'll try to be a good person, but I'm not going to drag somebody in here against their will. <laughs> anyway, so I stopped doing that. And, um, and then I went, I was in New York for 25 years. And the last four or five years of that time, I, I was not very happy. I didn't like who I was becoming. I was getting kind of hardened and bitter and angry and... And a, a city like that can do it to you. But also, I, I just, my soul wasn't being fed. So I thought the answer was to move across the country to California. So I did. And um, I was very happy, and I did pretty well out here. But um, one day, I was, I live about five minutes from what you call the, the mothership, H-U-M-C. <laughs> and... Um, I was, dri I was driving along uh, Franklin, and I'm sitting at the light, and I turned and looked, and on the sign at the church it said, Hollywood United Methodist. And I thought, oh, I was a Methodist. I grew up Methodist. This might be an answer. I was looking for community. I was looking for something. Clearly, God was tugging at my heart. And I went to the next, I went that Sunday to a service, and I've been there ever since. Um, Amen. I just found a home that I found so welcoming and... And my spiritual life has grown and grown. And I started a ministry there doing um, worship and arts. We do sketches. We do movies. We do little, you know, presentations. And because uh, I, I do believe that God asks us all to use whatever gifts we have. And that was, that was my gift, you know, putting on a show. So that's what I do over at HUMC. I put on little shows. And it's working out. It's amazing that Ruth will take a scripture lesson for a particular Sunday and turn it into a hysterical play. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> there are funny things in the Bible, y'all. Have you ever read it? 
there's some funny things in there. Yeah. And uh, so that's great that, that you're able to use your gifts that way. But before, before you leave New York, okay. we're still in New York. Ah, yes. You were there during 9-11. I was there. And you had a pretty good view of what I was, happened. I lived on the 31st floor of a building on 17th Street. And I had a great view of the towers, the Twin Towers. And also I could see, you know, I had a great view of everything. But that morning, I watched both towers drop and um, from my window. It was so surreal. I remember, I remember it being silent. I wasn't close enough to really hear what was going on. But I remember silence and watching these, this tower drop. And the only sound I heard was across the way on a rooftop, a woman shrieked. And that's, that's like the only sound I heard when that was happening. It was really spooky. Um, but I did have one remarkable experience. You want me to tell this Would story? Would you I'm please? Sure. I love this. <clears throat> well, after a, a day or two, um, I ventured out. And I walked, I lived near Gramercy Park, and I walked around Gramercy Park, and on every surface, there were faces of the missing. You know, these were dead people. And they were all young and beautiful, and it just absolutely broke my heart. And I sat down on this curb at, on uh, Gramercy Park and just had a good cry because it was just all so overwhelming. And a big black car pulled up, very official looking. Window comes down, you okay, hon? This big bear of a guy's in there. I said, yes, I'm just, you know, very sad about what's happening in the world. And he got out of the car. There was a, miraculously a place to park right in front of me. What are the odds of that? And so he gets out, sits his big frame next to me on this tiny little curb, and talked to me for about 20 minutes. And I just said to him, and I, I through my tears, I said, I'm just so afraid that there's more evil in the world than good. And he said, no, no, I've just spent the whole day down at ground zero. And I can promise you there is much more good in the world than evil. And it just helped me so much. And it, he turned to go, and on the back of his jacket, it said Justice Department. He was some big honcho who stopped to see if little old me was okay. I just, I, I truly That's believe lovely. he was, I truly believe he was an angel that was sent to me. Because I was pretty shaken up by this whole experience. And, um... Yeah. So, and you know, he offered me a ride home. I said, no, I live a block and a half away. It's fine. And he wished me well, and on he went. Um, I love that story. You were in need, and I was somebody need. was sent. Somebody was to sent to me. To you. Did I that feel like a real spiritual oh, moment? Oh, yeah, that was a, a spiritual awakening for sure. I've had a few of them since then, but that was, a, that was major. Right. That was pretty major. Right. Now, you shared with me one day, it was either at your pool, where we had a delightful summer's day, or, or at lunch, that you were telling me that you have recently had a, either a spiritual re revolution or something in well, your life that has changed, and a spiritual practice. Right, has a spiritual practice. Let's, let's call it that. <clears throat> um, you know, I have a problem with my back, and I live with a lot of chronic pain. And so I started to, I always, I always want to grow my faith. You know, when I was a little kid, my mother used to say to me, Ruthie, you have no faith. 
And she was right. I was just such a pessimist and so negative. And, but I'm gaining some faith. Um, I now set aside about 10, 15 minutes every morning, and I just talk to God. And I ask for little things throughout the day that I'll, I might need. I ask, always ask for guidance. I ask for good health. I ask that my pain be relieved. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to come into me. And I ask to be of service uh, to the Lord and to guide me through that. And, I, you know, that's the sort of talk I have with God every day. And it's made a big difference in my life. It's, I feel protected. Uh, I feel my faith growing. My favorite scripture is the one about the mustard seed, that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, just the tiniest, tiniest bit of faith, the impossible can happen. And I, I cling to that. And I've got a little tiny cross that I always wear, and in the center of it is like a little tiny, it's just like a little dot. And I, it's the size of a mustard seed, and I cling to it sometimes when I need faith. I, remember, Ruth, you only need a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. You don't need all the faith in the world, just mustard seed's worth. And I can always conjure that. I can always conjure a little bit of faith, you know. And that's really all it takes, and I live by that. So I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's it's good to have something that we can take a hold of, right? And remind ourselves of of uh, God's presence, and that Larry, that Jesus is all up in our business if we allow it. That's right. If we if we allow Him to be so. So as you look back and and think about your life from being a little girl in Baltimore, which I always think of just up the street from Washington, D.C., where, right, where, where I grew from. up. It's very close. And um, so you're, you're growing up years and learning about church and faith and, and spirit and all that you have experienced in New York and now you've come to L.A. Do you see, you, you said you didn't always think that you had... Really, faith. Is that what you just said? But when I was young, I, I, I had trouble with faith. Faith. But do you think it was there waiting to be oh, yeah. seen? It was, it was like a, a seed planted in the ground that was ready to sprout. But Absolutely. there was something there, and somehow you nurtured it along the way. Well, I was always and... searching. I mean, the fact that I became a Buddhist for a while. I mean, I was, just ser I was desperately searching for something to fill my soul. And, uh, you know, I went back to my roots and found it, you know. It's a, it's a beautiful circle. It really is. So. It is. I think we can all find those if we stop to, to really look. You're and a keen meditator, too. I do like we've to meditate. together. Yes, we have. And, and I do and like to meditate. I, I'm not as... My prayer time with God includes some meditation, but mm -hmm. it's mostly me talking to God. That's Okay. <laughs> Then we pause to listen for the answer. We do pause. That's true. We do. We pause and we listen to the answer. Mm -hmm. That's great. As you have gotten into the worship and arts program at, uh, at Hollywood, have, have there been any moments in, in putting those together that you went, wow, I, I see God in a, in a greater way, or I see God in situations that I previously didn't see God? Well... Yes. Um, every year at Easter time, we do the Passion Play. And I must say, it's quite an extravaganza. Um, and I, I'm very proud. I, I always get a lot of really talented people to help me. And, but every year, the big thing is, who's going to play Jesus? 
<laughs> and so it's, and it's become like, a, I, you know, I've gotten all kinds of different people to play Jesus. Men, women, you know, young people, old people, it doesn't matter. But one year, I got my friend Diana, who is, has cerebral palsy, and she's a diminutive black woman, and she's got this defect, but she was so profound playing Jesus. She was so beautiful. Um, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. It was really something else. And I remember that day going, wow, Ruth, this is, whew, this is a spiritual experience for sure. Because she was just, you know, she was channeling something. Right. It and, was beautiful. And, and the, the character of Jesus spoke through all that she had experienced. Absolutely. And, and spoke to people. And that's the joy of casting. Yeah. Casting people that you think... Wouldn't yeah, we do, a, not. we do a good, we put on a good show at Easter. And we also do a lot of good stuff at Christmas too. But, um, right. but we, throughout the year we do a lot of stuff. You know, Reverend Kathy will call me up and say, here's a scripture. You want to do something on this scripture? And I'll sit down and write something. But sometimes you've actually re videoed them, right? Oh, yeah. And showed those. Those oh, are yeah. wonderful. We have, uh, we so have it's quite, quite a, a production. So. We have a good team over there that sometimes they call on Donna Miller, our brilliant Donna's Donna Miller. Best. We ask for her help sometimes, and she's always willing to help us. Um, so, you know, we have a great team, and I'm very lucky. I may get in trouble for this, but would you put something together for us sometime? Oh, I would like to do that. I will bring over. <laughs> we have very talented people here. I will bring over We'd something. Love to do that. that would be fun. Yeah, that would to, be fun. To, to get to experience. That's, that's, I think the production of those things is also uh, an activity that can become like meditation as well. Meditation doesn't have to be just sitting and and, and being quiet, meditation can be walking or doing an activity like that right. if we allow spirit to come in and speak to us. That's and, true. And, That's uh, true. Yeah. Those are wonderful. That's great. I have to ask about your time on Broadway, though. <laughs> it, it, probably a lot of people here are in the entertainment industry, right? Or you have some... Some connection. It is, you know, it, LA. It's... <clears throat> It's a place where you, you sometimes think, God, wait, what, you need to show up here, right? We, we, need, oh, yeah. we, need, we need some Jesus here. Um, did you, when you were doing the shows, did, um, did you ever feel in, in the midst of doing the shows, the presence of God sort of, you said you had stepped away from the church then. You but. know, the, the sense of community in the Broadway community is so beautiful. I mean, a lot of the 80s and 90s for us was spent fighting AIDS. The Broadway community was decimated. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, during that time, yes, uh, I lost a lot of friends. Um, yeah, that was a time of looking inward, and I, I certainly could have used a church family then. Uh, but, you know, we had each other in that fight. The, the whole community came together and we really, we raised a lot of money. We helped people who were sick. We went to their bedside and, you know, we really, we really stepped up. So I would say that was a spiritual time when I just saw the beautiful community that was these art, artists in New York coming together to help yeah. their own. That was ministry. It was ministry. Just like that man stopped on the street corner to, to chat you that day. You reached out and you saw, saw a need and filled it. Right. 
And that's that's great, and and that's what we do today. We try. It's so wonderful to have you here Thank you. with it's us today. It's great to be here. I, I love this church. It's cute. It's a nice, it's sweet, it's nice place nice. to come it feels on, so intimate on Sundays. And, lovely. and and so can we can we give Ruth a, a warm welcome again? Well, thank for you. Being here with thank us you. Today. I, I have to ask you though. I, I've asked yes, you this yes, before, yes. but we've got some time, so I want to ask you: What was the favorite role that you ever did? Oh, that's so hard. <clears throat> well, this wasn't on Broadway, but I did get to play Dolly in Hello Dolly. Yes. Uh, in a theater in Orange County about 10 years ago. That was pretty thrilling. <clears throat> but on Broadway, I would say the one show that really, you know, I did some flops. The big hit that I did was Guys and Dolls with Nathan Lane and Faith Prince and Peter Gallagher. And I, I had a nice role in that. And that was so much fun. Just to be in a big fat hit that everybody loved and was, you know, on the cover of magazines and so it was just, that was great fun. Um, yeah, that would be a favorite time. And that cast was just so extraordinary. It was such an honor to stand on stage with the people I was working with. I was in awe. So that was, that's, that's that was a gift from God. And what role would you like to do that you haven't been able to do? Well, I'm getting along in the tooth. But uh, I'd love to play Mrs. Lovett in... Uh, um, Sweeney. Sweeney Todd, yeah. I would like to play Mrs. Lovett. I've played a lot of those great dames, but I, yes, I, haven't, I haven't played her. So that would be fun. Well, then... <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. Your mustard seed of faith will lead you into playing Mrs. Mrs. Lovett. Maybe. Into, if you want to do that. If I really want to do that. Really I, I do believe do that. that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Ruth. Well, thank you. For being here with us. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sunday Replay. If you loved the Our Story conversation, you can always check out Our Story, the podcast here on the Harmony Podcast Network. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts and you can just search Our Story, the podcast. The guests on today's episode of Sunday Replay were Larry High Jr., the Harmony Worship Band, Reverend Jefferson Beaker, and Ruth Williamson. This episode was recorded by me, Jace Lucas, and edited by Donna Miller. Sunday Replay is a part of the Harmony Podcast Network from Harmony Toluca Lake, which is a campus of Hollywood United Methodist Church. And you can find us on Facebook, Harmony Toluca Lake, or on Instagram at Harmony underscore TLC. If you have liked this episode and want to do us a favor and help us to continue to creating this podcast, we would so appreciate if you could like, rate, comment, subscribe, download, and just listen to this episode and share it with the people around you. It really does help help us to continue creating podcasts on the network. So we're looking forward to seeing you again next week. But until then, as Pastor Mark likes to say, peace.